Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. Today I have my brother-in-law, Brian Kim, on with us. He came back to tell us his life story. And it was really exciting for me because this is the first time since early last year where I got to interview someone in person since we are, uh, he is part of my bubble of quarantine. So yeah, Brian talks to us about some of the things he went through that influenced who he became today and some of the hardships that he and his family um, kind of persevered through together and came out really close and strong. So I, I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So thank you guys for tuning in. Hey guys, welcome to the I Hope to Hear This podcast. We have kind of a new setup today. Um, and man, I don't know. This is the first in-person interview I've done since almost a year ago. I think the last one I did was February, sometime in February of last year. Um, but wow. yeah, thankfully we have... Uh, oh, so um, today, on today's podcast, we have returning <laughs> guest Brian Kim. Hello. Hello. Yeah. And for those of you who don't know, Brian is my brother-in-law. So he is Shirley's older brother. And because um, we are in our bubble together, um, yeah, we we're able to do this in person. And I'm so excited because I mentioned a few times on the podcast about how like I bought his, all this new equipment literally like the week before quarantine happened. <laughs> so I had all this and like I, I wasn't able to use it for the longest time. But so uh, glad that you're here to be able to partake and, and, and use this equipment with me. Thank you for having me. It's, a, it's an honor, a privilege, and, and I can't wait till this is over. So, you know, for your future guests, this, this setup is amazing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's really clean. It feels like legitimate, like I'm in a studio. So cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Well, um, we have Brian back on today. Um, and for those of you who don't uh, remember, you are on an episode where we talked about finance. And I, I got some pretty good feedback on that. Um, people like coming up to me and saying, hey, I, I started thinking about like future savings, like not just blowing money. Mm -hmm. um, so um, thank you for that. And, and it had a good impact. But um, I've been doing more like people stories recently. And I wanted to kind of get your story because since we've had you on the podcast, there have been a lot of life events happening for you. You, um, your, your wife is pregnant. Um, uh, little baby Audrey is going to be coming in. Is it, was it June? Uh, May. May. Yes. Early May, late April. We'll see. Mm -hmm. I feel like that last stretch of April is going to go by so slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's going to be so fast. It's going to be fast because you're going to be on such high alert. Yeah. Oh man. It's uh in the moment it feels slow, but then it's like this. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to that. Um but not only that, but even in your career, um you are you've been like moving up in your company. You're COO. For those of you who don't know, that's chief operating officer, which is pretty much the only person higher than you in terms of hierarchy as a CEO, right? Yes. Yeah. And for someone who's as young as you, it's it's not a common thing to be that high up. So, um, yeah, I mean, not that that's the focus of today's podcast, but I just want to capture your story today, um, kind of how your family came to America, um, how you grew up. I mean, I'm sure I know a lot of it, but I don't think I've ever heard it directly from you. It's mostly been from um, your sister. So, mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. That, but that's uh, wow. What an introduction. Um, well, I guess I'll just get right into it. Uh, let's see. So I, Shirley and I, which is David's wife, <laughs> we were born in Flushing, Queens, New York. Um, and I don't really recall much other than Italian ices and pizza slices. Huh. So Italian ices are like, you know, those little cups, like Rita's over at Swanee Town Center, if anyone happens to go by there during this time. But uh that's about it. And then we had moved down to Atlanta for the Olympics. Um, wow, was 90, was it 94, 96? 96. Okay. Yes. Um, honestly, like New York was such a blur for me because you're supposed to have some memory from them. But really, all I remember is the Italian ices mm -hmm. and pizza slices. And then I recall Georgia really well because... Uh, my dad had taken me to a Korean handball event for the Olympics. Cool. And um, it was, uh, I just remember like holding his hand, having a jacket, and I had like the pins, you know, the 96 Olympic pins and all this stuff. And 
I just remember seeing all these people, like, you know, different races and stuff. It was so cool. And I think that's actually where my love of sports began. Hmm. Um, like, my dad, uh, he's he's a character <laughs> in that, like, he's very, like, you know, just typical traditional Korean guy when he's um, just in his day-to-day. But when he has a few drinks, he gets really animated. Uh, but, like, I think that was the first... Um, time where <clears throat> where sports is the only place where i see my dad his uh human you know his regular character come out he's mm-hmm. very animated very loud gets uh very excited and passionate mm-hmm. and um and so we, we went to that event um and i guess after that i recall now just like going to school and this is kind of where just you know with the olympics happening us in a new place i understood that much Mm -hmm. and wait so you actually went to like an olympics event yeah that is so cool yes oh wow do you know how your dad even got tickets like that doesn't sound like to be honest i have no idea because (laughs) growing like growing up i had begged my dad to take me to like nba games Uh and believe it or not so our grandma, my mm-hmm. dad's mom, loved like World Wrestling Federation. <laughs> Interesting. So uh, funny story. Um, so like Shirley and I would watch it with my grandma growing up. And uh-huh. this is like when we first learned about good versus evil. Right? <laughs> so like they're such good storytellers. Yeah. Um, and I just remember like like we were begging because I was wanting to go to some event. And believe it or not, like my dad took me to the Olympics which is pretty crazy now that I'm really thinking about yeah. it. And then he took us to a wrestling event at the Georgia Dome. Um, our grandma went and Shirley and I went. I, I clearly remember because there's this wrestler named Diamond Dallas Page and mm-hmm. he had this thing called, he would do this. <laughs> yeah. I just remember Shirley and I wearing like little like furry gloves and we'd look at each other doing this. <laughs> and I got really excited and I, um, I was trying to like go down the steps to get closer. Mm-hmm. And then I remember I tripped and I like... Um, tripped and then i landed on one of the chairs as a kid and like that was the first time i experienced getting the wind knocked out of me like i thought oh, wow. i remember telling my parents i was like i think i'm gonna die like, oh my God. what is this feeling <laughs> but uh yeah i have like really weird uh, memories associated to huh. this but um yeah but and for those of you who guys like because the fact that your grandma likes wrestling it's such a interesting factoid because i've met her um like in, in korea we went we stayed at her her house a few days but she's like the sweetest like tiny like nicest sweetest old lady and i can't imagine her watching wrestling yeah like she it was the one thing actually that her and i had in common and um believe it or not like looking at the success of like wwe now mm-hmm. and like all of those you know wrestlers have like their professional athletes to have reality shows but like like i just kind of got to watch like hulk hogan and like the rock and like just that that i think they called it the attitude era or something like that but um it's like it is really random but at the same time it's like i started i think that's when i started realizing like and learning to like little by little like oh like there's good versus evil Mm. right people will backstab each other like like you kind of realize like or at least that's for me when i started to interpret like human nature Mm. um and so it's really funny too because my grandma would wake up at like 5 6 a.m to pray Mm -hmm. and then like on the dot mondays thursdays 8 p.m brian like let's watch wrestling (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it was a really interesting huh so that's kind of where your love of sports stemmed from would you say i would say so like um you know, so we, we had the Olympics, we had wrestling, and then my dad actually used to, he used to love the Knicks, New York Knicks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is like when Jordan, right? So like from 96 to uh, like 98, 99 mm-hmm. is like he's having a second um, repeat, if you will. So like that's when I started watching basketball with him. Mm-hmm. And I, I would make like a $1 bet with my dad. He would always bet for the Knicks. I was always bet for uh, Michael Jordan, obviously. Mm-hmm. So, like, it was the first time when I realized, like, oh, like, 
there is like certain people that are just really good at something. Mm. Um, so then like, that's why I have such an affinity for like Michael Jordan, just cause like, I think it was like the first time where, um, I realized like, wow, like there's just a lot of excitement and actually thank you for asking. Cause no, I'm like, it's kind of hitting me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize like how much I had in common with my dad growing up until right now. Mm. It's just crazy to think about. Um, Wow. And then actually, and then in that same time period, um, I know you love Batman as well, but Mm -hmm. that's kind of where my love of Batman started because it was the first toy that I asked for and I got. Oh. Um, It was like a... It was a silver suit with a with a navy blue, but like it wasn't like the gray one. It was like a metallic silver. Mm-hmm. So it was almost like a space Batman, or I don't know what it was exactly at yeah. the time. But um, so I think that's my the reason why I love Batman and basketball, and huh. I guess kind of that's that's the roots of or the foundation of uh, my interest at the time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, huh? So 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 that's so interesting that. Um, until we're asked a question, there are things that we know, but really don't connect yeah. that quickly. Um, and, and I'm just going to throw this out there. So um, I talk about like therapy and like counseling a lot on the podcast. And I actually started seeing a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the things I'm realizing Like when I talk with her. It's she'll ask these questions. And then I, when she first throws a question out, I don't really know the answer. I'm like, oh. I'm going to have to think on that a little bit, but then she'll ask kind of follow on questions. And as I'm formulating the answers to those questions, my mind creates these connections, like connecting facts. I already know. Right. But then like they start connecting and I'm like, Oh, that's the reason why I'm this way. Like, or, Oh, like this is a characteristic of me that I guess I should have known all along, but I never really connected so it's, it's interesting how the human mind works like that, right? Yeah, it really is. Yeah. And 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 David didn't pay me to say this or I'm not, you know, but like I actually he's uh, you're such a great communicator that like I look forward to speaking with you. And so you're just you're, I actually think I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been able to make that connection if it wasn't for you. I guess. Oh, wow. like you're the person yeah. um, that I feel like it's easy for me to make those connections with. Hmm. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm yeah. going to have to pay him a little extra. <laughs> no, 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 okay. So, yeah. So that, that's kind of where your love of sports came. Um, and you yes. mentioned your grandma being with you guys. So did you grow up with your grandma? Yes. Um, so believe it or not, like Shirley and I were like, I mean, if you get to know us now, we're personality wise, we're polar opposites. But growing up, we were like this. Mm. We did everything together. Um, because at the time, like, my our parents were working. Mm. So our, um, our grandma was raising us, essentially. And we actually lived in a very diverse neighborhood. So it's in Norcross. Um, oh, I forgot the... Oh, Berkeley Springs. Okay. That was the name. So, like... It was just like, I just remember us playing like capture the flag in that neighborhood. Mm. It's a long neighborhood with like five cul-de-sacs. And like, I mean, there was like us, other Korean kids, like we had a Japanese guy and a um, Spanish, like Mexican, Egyptian. Whoa. Um, You know, obviously just, just, it was a melting pot and Mm. it was so fun because literally, I mean, thinking about it now, it's. Like, it gives me, like, goosebumps, too. But we had 30 kids play Capture the Flag in one neighborhood. Oh, wow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like how do you even get that organized? Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. How did you guys get so organized? I, I have no idea. But, like, I will say maybe um, that's kind of where I think I started learning how to communicate. Mm. And uh, I think maybe that's kind of where... I might have learned how to bring people together. Mm. Obviously, we had like some older, like the older generation who would uh, kind of come and join us as a group. But like there are always like pockets of like groups. Mm. But then if we all had like capture the flag that we wanted to play or um, like laser tag. I don't know if you remember Mm -hmm. laser tag. uh, 
like we would all like beg our parents for it for Christmas and then cut, get together and just play outside. Like, was it like the gray one that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember mm-hmm. having that too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it was it was uh, it was really interesting because like that was when like we would go outside and Shirley and I would play. We would like run and come home really late and mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not, like Shirley. She has probably the best rhythm of anyone I know. And I know a lot of people with like perfect pitch who's really musically talented. Mm -hmm. And like, but she has amazing rhythm Mm. because like, like we, we would growing up, like we would do like, um, we would do like little like shows for our parents and she would, she would be the rapper. (laughs) <laughs> so like she would take like lullabies and turn it into like a, a rap wow and i would just be in the background making a beat probably uh-huh. butchering it <laughs> but she was like just animated like the energetic one because she was the magnet at the time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but yeah i mean it, we had a lot of fun together and and that was like when i knew because like we were like this so if she would tell me someone would pick on her obviously i would like go and like you know, try to fight them growing up, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But, but, um, yeah, like Shirley was definitely like, we, I think because we didn't have our parents, we had each other. Yeah. And like we navigated through, I think what every Korean American does our generation, right? Like our parents can't really speak English, so we have to take care of everything. Mm. And so really all we had was each other and, and I'm really thankful for that. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. It's interesting to hear about kind of the dynamic of Korean American siblings because even because you and Shirley, you're not you guys are about two years apart. Mm-hmm. Like me and my older brother were two years apart. But then there's always this dynamic of the older sibling, no matter how close to age, like they end up taking care of the younger one because you, you talk about how protective you were. Um, and Shirley has told me stories of where like if someone was bothering her, she would just run to you and say, Go get him, you know? So, um, but then I don't know if that's a shared uh, trait of like all people or if it's specific to kind of immigrant um, children because like you were saying, we don't really have our parents. Sometimes, most of the times our parents are working, they're busy and a lot of times they just can't speak the language so they can't really do a lot, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's really, that is an interesting point, right? I, I think it's also because, like, I don't know if my parents instilled it in me, but there was almost, like, a a, a pride to be Korean. Mm-hmm. And I didn't wear this hoodie on purpose to <laughs> kind of do, But, like, I mean, there is, a, there is an aspect to that, right? Like, the Korean pride, like, and, you know, obviously growing up in the melting pot that we did, I mean... At the time, like, you know, racial jokes, mm-hmm. a lot of things that would not fly now. Like, I mean, we grew up with that. It was almost like if you couldn't take it, then you were the one that were just too sensitive. Yeah. So um, I also think for me, too, it's like I can be OK with it. But like, don't do that to my sister because mm. it's almost like I know they're going after her after I left, especially because um you know, obviously, like, they're like, oh, like, guys, boys picking on girls mm. and stuff like that. So, I don't think I ever told her this, but, you know, we're two years apart. So, like, when I start middle school, it's the first time her and I aren't going to school together. Mm. And our driveway was one of the bus stops. And I remember, because, like, uh, middle school started after. So, I remember waiting with her. And I, and like, instead of being so excited to start a new school, I was so worried about her. Um, just making sure, like, I didn't want anyone to think just cause I'm not there, like, you know, they could say anything like, but <laughs> I mean, she grew up with me, so she actually knew how to like hold herself up. Mm-hmm. So I was proud of her. Mm-hmm. So really proud of her. Mm-hmm. So then, cause yeah, you and Shirley are two years apart, but then seven years later, or I guess seven years after Shirley was born, Yuri comes along, right? So did that change the dynamic of like your sibling relationship with Shirley at all? Or like kind of how you perceived your role as now not only elder brother to Shirley, but elder brother to Shirley and this new baby? Yes. 
It's actually a time period where I've always thought about. I just never really vocalized. Like, because as I shared with you, my memories of Shirley growing up, like we did everything together, mm. like everything. And then Yudi came and I just remember us always pushing her on like this turquoise, like stroller. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of pictures of her like in it, but I think just after she came, I think that's the first time Shirley and I, like we weren't the center of our parents' world, mm. but not in a bad way. Like, I think we just understood like, Oh, we have a sibling. Yeah. Um, uh, and I guess that's kind of when things shifted a little bit. Cause my mom had a hard time, um, giving birth and stuff. So like mm. at the time, um, my mom, you know, just physically wasn't doing well. So, you know, I never really actually asked Shirley about this, but I think that time got a little bit cloudy and, um, cause I was just trying to be like a bigger, you know, the older brother to Yudi. But then Shirley, I'm sure she probably went through the most change out of mm. us, from my perspective, at least. Yeah. Um, There's a joke because um, there aren't many photos of Shirley as a child, like smiling. Um, but we found one one day and we're like, oh, wow, this is a photo of Shirley smiling. And then she looked at the date and she goes, oh, I know why. And we're like, why? Because this was before Yudi was born. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like the joke is that all like... Shirley's happiness went away once she was no longer the youngest and, and there was a baby to take care of. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I actually think that was... We're, I mean, it's kind of funny we're talking about this because I was actually just messaging my friends about how proud I am of Shirley. But I think with Yudi arriving, Shirley involuntarily kind of had to become an, a, you know, an adult because mm. thinking back on it like my mom wasn't doing well physically and it's not that like my mom didn't want to burden me i think it was just more of a lack of confidence like oh like he he's not going to be able to help so mm -hmm. i think it was more like okay surely what can you do for me and things like that yeah. so i think that's probably when things started to change mm. um because surely she's always had like this sense of like she needs to fulfill this duty mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i was just always more worried about like how can i have fun <laughs> and taking care of UD. so like it's probably like kind of where we started kind of to drift a little bit in mm. our dynamics so mm, yeah i see then, then, then keep walking me forward um so you guys are UD's there you, you kind of diverge you're not i guess you guys weren't as close as you were before um so like yeah how, how did like what, what did you kind of do like how was school like um, so I was like, I was, I became really chubby around then. <laughs> and then I had like lost weight and then got into basketball. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then it was just around that time where like Shirley and I had really separate lives. And then Yudi was getting older and we got into high school and, you know, just everyone, all the Koreans in Atlanta knew each other either through basketball or church or one way or another. Yeah. Um, and uh yeah i mean i think it was at that time where like our family like we we weren't well we spent a lot of time together but we weren't as close as we are now mm. but we were like young i was very immature not that i'm mature now but um <laughs> very immature very selfish entitled etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know shirley was just kind of like to herself Yudi was like kind of, and I think like the dynamic was a little bit um, interesting for Shirley and I, because as we shared or I shared earlier, our parents were working, mm. but they had gotten to a place financially where they could like take some time. Mm. So what they couldn't do with us, they did with like Yudi. Um, so then I think just it was like seeing a lot of that, like just kind of made the dynamics very um interesting i should mm. say i don't really know one word that can summarize that but it kind of like started setting the paths of kind of the routes we would be taking i guess from then all the way up to now i would say actually wow um i would really say that would be the the genesis of like kind of the paths we would take 
that are like converging now, mm. which is interesting. Because I remember you sharing this um, when, when we all went to you, your parents' house over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. You were sharing about how like you really wanted to like join a basketball team when you were younger in like elementary school, but your parents just couldn't, right? Mm-hmm. They didn't know the language. Like they didn't know how to even start going about doing that. It's not like there was Google back then. Like, um, So th- your parents were just like, can't really do anything for you. But then Yudi grew up doing kind of a lot of extracurricular stuff, right? She um, she was really into dance, right? Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much well, up until like sophomore, junior year. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, and you were kind of telling us how you felt about that. Like, how, how did you feel about like seeing those, comparing those two things? I think I didn't resent anyone. I, th- but like, didn't resent anyone mm-hmm. and i wasn't necessarily like jealous or envious it was just more like a like and maybe it's just a it's it's not just with siblings it's with like everything where the older generation is like oh you got it so good to the next one but i think for me it was just more like a lot of the consequences i actually had to experience because of like a lack of language barrier for my parents or things like that like like i would say my youngest sister you know had us Mm -hmm. to shield her from so it was like it was hard in that like we you know that was like the first time where i had to go okay like how much am i enabling and how much do i need to like not help Mm. but is that not helping coming from a place of true like hey i want her to grow or hey i'm just like envious or resentful Mm probably the last <laughs> so yeah no but the thing that was so beautiful about that conversation was because yuri was there as well and she was kind of able to give her side which was like i always grew up wondering why like i wasn't as close to my siblings as how you and shirley were like early on mm-hmm. and so it was like kind of like both of you guys had um like your own perspective and own reasons to be like sad or um, feel like you're missing out on something um, but the fact that you guys were able to have that conversation and kind of communicate that to each other so that you guys can kind of understand each other's perspective like in that moment at least in Yudi's eyes I felt like it kind of like was like oh like I never knew like mm-hmm. I never knew that that was the reason like I never considered you know my older brother and sister like going through these things I only saw like what I was experiencing and Man, that, that night was like such a great night of conversation because of that. Like there were so many things that were kind of like brought to the forefront where you guys were able to just, you know, talk it out. Um, not, not that like the, I mean, I don't want to give the wrong impression. It wasn't like your relationship is bad or anything like that. Right, but right. just being able to unearth these things that were like all the way in the past, I thought was so beautiful. Well, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't mean to like pivot, but yeah. kind of that conversation I think like one could happen because it was a running joke when Yudi was younger because I'm nine years older than her. So mm-hmm. she was like, Opa, when I t- or she was like, when I turn 21, you'll turn 30. So you're, <laughs> you know, blah, blah, blah. And she was just, it was a running joke. But like when we finally had that conversation, it was like, oh, the the time that we were joking about to kind of almost never, we didn't want it to happen. Mm-hmm. It was the time when we were finally in a stage of our lives where we could communicate. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think if we did it any earlier, it would have worked, but I think it was like, finally it reached the point where that conversation could be had and yeah. we could be totally empathetic to one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, the timing was like perfect on that. And like, I think just even now kind of going through it all, it's like, I can really, now I'm starting to feel like what God really kind of did for us mm. at the time. Because we grew up in the church, our family, like my mom was like really, you know, she went every Sunday, very involved in things like that. And um, it was actually the church where I gained my confidence too, because mm. I was like chubby and I didn't really get along with the kids there. And mm. uh, and then I got involved with like praise team Um and then with the church tournament and stuff, the basketball tournament, right. like a lot of things kind of fell into place. So like a lot of the intangibles I have now, I learned from really like church. Mm. Um, and it's kind of funny because I know Shirley, she was saying like she wasn't confident until like she met 
you know, God and Jesus. And now like Yudi, like she grew up in church and she was involved like I was, but you know, when we went to the, like our family kind of dispersed, yeah. um, you know, she found God at that period mm. to like kind of hang on. So it's just, well, yeah. So, so walk us through that dispersal because, you know, growing up, like I, I met Shirley when she was just graduating high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I kind of just from an outsider's perspective, it looked like, you know, your parents were doing well, like financially, you guys are all stable. Um, so like from the age of like elementary school, middle school is from what I hear from Shirley, it, you got and onward, it was pretty comfortable times, right? And then something like drastic happened where, you know, your family literally like everyone kind of like spread out, right? So can you kind of explain to us how, what happened there and like how that kind of affected you? I actually think my parents, especially my mom, like I, even my dad, right? Like my dad didn't grow up with without a father since he was like six or seven. Mm. Um, so he didn't really know how to be a dad, but I know he tries his best based on his intentions mm. and like what he it might not be what we want but i we understand like it's what he thinks is right so the fact that he puts effort into that we acknowledge i think mm. um but i think like what my parents did a great job about was like instilling the value of family mm. you know like family is the only thing and the only group of people that don't need a reason or an excuse you just help mm. you're there um but we didn't have like the ties that we have now so like that but family was the foundation and then we're doing well my and then my parents uh i don't want to say they made bad decisions i think it was just more like a perfect storm mm-hmm. of a lot of things but what i do really commend them for is like they went for it mm. They took a risk and my mom opened a yogurt shop. I w- it's not the shop per se that was uh, the problem because the first one they opened that you helped a lot with <laughs> actually did well. Yeah. Um, but I think it was when, you know, and I don't want to like say it was a fl- flaw or fault. I think it was just like when the decisions became more around greed and trying to expand a lot faster. It, that's when things got a little bit like rocky i would say um because at one point your mom was driving between like four different locations trying to manage everything and things like that right yes like you know and and it's crazy to think about because at that time it made me think like oh like we're comfortable Mm -hmm. and it's almost like oh like how could this ever end like i never really Mm -hmm. felt a timeline or almost like an expiration date to our comfort yeah but when I started like really realizing what was happening, it was uh, kind of already too late. But like looking back at it now, I think it was good in that like, I think my dad, um, if he had kept going down the path he did, mm. I mean, I'm, I'm saying it now, but like, I don't know how my sisters feel about it, but I would be really afraid of the man he would have become if it mm. didn't turn out this way. I see. So, so you're you're basically saying some of the things that at the time might have been very negative or perspective-wise very negative, you're saying it actually, in retrospect, kind of put your, you feel like put your dad on the path to kind of becoming who he is now. Is that right? Yes. Mm. And that is something I think like a trillion dollars could fix. Mm. Right. Um, and for me, actually for all of us. So we grew up comfortable. We really have this sense of security that's never ending. Mm-hmm. And then all that's ripped away from us. Yeah. At least, you know, that's how I felt. Yeah. Um, and I think like it was it was confusing and hard, but like, believe it or not, I was really happy that you and Shirley had gotten married and gotten out because like Shirley was really the rock of the family during that period. Right. So like even up until then, 
when I think about it now, it's like she refused to let the environment dictate what was going to happen with her. It's like, no matter what, I'm going to march forward. Mm. Um, and I don't think that would have happened without God, like her yeah. faith. Right, right. Um, and so obviously she like holds everything together. You guys get married. And then my, you know, our parents started a store um, in Florida. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of going in and out. And then Yudi, uh, you know, she was like in her last year of uh, high school. So it was really just me and her at the time. Um, but that was when like, it felt like everything was taken away, but, but like it was necessary, very necessary. Mm. Cause when I look at us now, mm -hmm. like when I think about what we went through when things weren't crazy, I don't know what we like this pandemic right now. I feel it. I feel like our family wouldn't be okay if it wasn't for that time. Mm. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I really believe it. Yeah. And, and it's interesting because when your family was going through that, um, my family basically went through something very similar, I think like f maybe four years prior. Mm -hmm. um, so as Shirley was going through these stages of like, oh, my family's like comfortable, like financial stability is going away and like all the things that she went through. Like I was, it was interesting for me because like, oh, like those are the same exact, exact stages that I went through. And I completely agree with your statement of like, you don't know how we would be in this pandemic now because um, like when financial stability for my family was kind of ripped away, um, that was when like my family, they decided, okay, we can't rely on money. Let's rely on God. And so like, after ever since then like the perspective shift from like i gotta have all the nice things or i gotta have all this financial stability or you know i i need to show my wealth off to people when that perspective shifted to from that to like let's just try to be happy let's try to be comfortable let's try to be like healthy and let's like develop our relationships like when that perspective attitude shift happened like there was a world of a difference for my parents too like my dad was way less stressed my mom was way less stressed as well because my mom was a stay-at-home mom but um even then like finances really affected her right because you know when you rely on money um your mood goes up and down with the with the amount of money that you have right yeah so yeah I, and i think just context um when you say like it was like your parents like financial decisions i'm sure that that was part of it but i think most of it was just a economy you know like a lot of immigrant asian american families especially because asian americans own so many small businesses um when the recession hit in 08 like the small businesses were first to go and i and i don't think people really realize that it had a reverberating effect on like years down the line too because there's like domino effect right when small business so because your dad um was a, is a wholesaler so when all the small businesses that bought from your dad started failing like that's probably probably had an impact on his business, right? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's this is I don't I don't think this is a um, unique experience to us. And you know, a lot of people went through this, and and I think the response, like how our families turned out, I think is like the best case scenario, right? Being able to turn your perspective away from like finances to just trying to be happy, and, and I agree. Like when I see you guys together, it's like. You guys are really close for a family where, you know, the two oldest child, like, children are, like, married and, you know, you guys have, like, your own lives and things like that. But, like, even today, like, we're all hanging out together. Your mom's in town, so we're, we're eating dinner together before this. And, yeah, I, I don't think that ha happens quite often unless you kind of go through those hardships together and then kind of persevere through it. Yeah, I it's really interesting because... During that time, like it made me realize, even looking at it back at it now, like God, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm getting goosebumps. It's just like, you can't time it perfectly. Like I don't, it's not a coincidence that she happened to go meet you at the time right before and that you went through it right before. Mm. So like you could be 
the rock for her for her to be the rock for us mm-hmm. and like you know no no like i mean shout out to all my friends that are still my friends now and and you know my what i was going through at the time but like like it made it made me look at myself and go dude like the things you think are important are not mm. and it's like if i if you were to talk to me then and say oh when you're 30 you'd be in this situation you're in now um just on paper i would say okay yeah i'm not surprised <laughs> but like the path to get here i wouldn't have it any other way mm. um so yeah i mean so essentially what happens from then uh, sorry i'm kind of sidetracking too much like um yeah i mean obviously you and Trilly are doing your thing and 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 Yudi now is going to college and, and really showing me like how much she's getting into her faith. And right at the time, like Hannah, my wife now, mm-hmm. uh, she had just literally had popped in to my life, right? I'd just gotten out of a previous relationship. And like it was it was the first time where I was friends with someone before I became romantically involved. Oh. Like even now, I don't think guys and girls can truly be friends yeah. like separately unless you, your parents are like, you know, kind of put you in a place. But mm-hmm. it's like, uh, maybe I'm old school in this way. <laughs> but like, I don't know. I mean, um, I it was like Hannah and I just had fun together. Mm-hmm. And it was when I was like, wow, like this is someone I can just hang out with. And it's not like I have to sacrifice my interests to spend time with this person. Mm-hmm. And even now, I think because of our foundation like that, like I'm not saying our marriage is like super easy, but I would say it's it's like amazing. Mm. Um, just because like we went through like all the like I think everything hard you have to get through to build communication with one another, we we did so. At the time, our spam, our family split up. We get rid of the house. So Hannah and I moved to Miami, right? We're getting married. Our parents want us to get together. And um, so in Miami, we're like in a 600-square-foot studio mm-hmm. with no doors, newlywed, no family, no friends. Um, so, like, just even that is hard. But being in an area without anyone else to, like, run to made us have to uh, just figure it out. Yeah. And like you, you can't really fight and then not talk to each other because you're essentially in one room together. Mm-hmm. Wow. And it's like if you don't, if you don't fix it, then it's just like it's never gonna end, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think for us, we realize like, oh, like love is a decision, mm. and it's not a feeling or choice. And um, I think like. What's interesting though is is when even when we're in Miami now, like Hannah's still like a believer, and this is like when I'm like in a dark, dark place. Like mm-hmm. I'm resentful, I'm angry, I'm just like I'm glad we got out of there, and um, we're in Miami. And let's just like live it up, and and you know, and uh, and I realized then it's like I'm constantly seeking other things to fill or kind of distract me from pain all that pain i had yeah um which led me to make a lot of my decisions emotionally Mm. so like my finances or whatever like you know it was just a series of decisions looking back now like or not wise (laughs) um but then like i think even that like gave us enough pain to start reassessing okay like what what is it that we did to get us here and what can we do to get out? Mm. Um, so like essentially what happens is, um, you know, I, I'm going to school now in Miami and shop, for your MBA. Yeah. For my MBA. Uh, I've been with like the small, <clears throat> um, startup. We do like retirement readiness. Um, 
And so I've been with them for a few years, moved to Miami with the company and like my boss, shout out to my boss, like he's awesome. And he essentially was like, I was just so entitled. I was like, hey, I've been with you guys long enough. Like, give me this. <laughs> he's just like, I don't know. He's so wise too in that like he's such a good communicator hmm. and he knows how to balance things well. So he's like, okay, like, like that's fine, but, you know, like, why mm. right and i was just like well if you don't give me what i want i'm gonna leave miami <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So he's like, all right like we'll figure it out i'm going to school uh and i graduate so like as i'm as i'm kind of going through that process i think he's trusting me more and more because i've become just more i guess initiative and like when i graduate i'm like okay we need to I need more money or I'm going to leave. Hmm. And it's not like, but even at that time, it wasn't that like we needed more money because I deserved it. It was like, if you want me to stay here and to kind of help me with the bad decisions I made, I made like financially, like I need this, hmm. which I didn't tell him at the time, obviously, but like he was really gracious provided what we needed and we moved to um a nicer part of miami mm -hmm. and um and like a few months in uh like the pandemic had started so i kind of skipped all, all over i really kind of skipped three years of the school but just to quickly summarize yeah. it it was just a series of bad decisions and me kind of trying to distract myself and figure out what i wanted to do with my life and so yeah. when you see bad decisions, do you mean just like spending wise or just all the above, you know, like spending, like, um, I mean, I made a, a lot of great friends, but like spending and like, just not being wise with time. And like, it was more like everything I did. And we made a lot of great friends there too. But like, but for me personally, like on my, on our own time, it was always based around like, well, what can I do to like satisfy this craving or mm. distract myself yeah. i guess um and i think now it's just always like seeking god <laughs> yeah uh but it was more like well god abandoned me so i don't want to go to god mm. um and then like we started going to um voo church and it was like the sermon had to happen to be about like seasons and um essentially the sermon was essentially like look like everything you went through like like even if it's right now like i promise like god didn't abandon you has never abandoned you and will not abandon you for some reason it spoke to me mm -hmm. so in that that sermon i was like all right like maybe i should like reassess my faith and start going back mm -hmm. And it was at that time when things did change for me. Um, so it was like right before I graduated. So like, I think just that change of heart and attitude of mine, it was kind of spreading just in like all my little decisions. And I happened to get promoted and then we moved to the nicer part. And then um, essentially the pandemic had just started to come in. So uh, that was like really weird because right before then, um, right. Like I'm essentially trying to make sure we can get through while experiencing the consequences of the decisions that really I wanted to make, not even Hannah, but like it was at that time where she actually was like, man, she's so awesome. She was like, this is what we're going to do. Here are the parameters. Uh -huh. And we are going to like, we're, it's going to hurt because we're going to just cut out everything, but we're going to do it. Mm. You work and I'm going to figure this out because she hated like her job at the time. And like her actually, her career story is really crazy. Like she doesn't work now, but like, I'm glad she doesn't have to now because she worked like her whole life. 
she had like every part-time job and she like you know if she does anything she sees it to to the end oh, wow. so even with like our i i mean i say she's the ceo of our home mm. and like and like when i get promoted i say we get promoted because it's not happening without her mm. yeah um so it's kind of a yeah i mean like uh, yeah sorry I, I feel like i'm kind of jumping all over the yeah, place great. um so yeah i mean we we essentially she sets the parameters and we're going through the motions and like around that time her mom had given us these little workbooks where we have to fill out proverbs mm-hmm. just write it out and you read it so it's like okay like why don't we just do that she gave it to us and it was around then where I started looking at like what Proverbs is about. And then it started helping me reflect on like the decisions I made and like my parents with their businesses and like my relationships with like people. And I started realizing like how even the little, like the tiniest things where you're just like petty or I don't know, just any decision you kind of just make based on what's easiest or convenient, like uh, has a ripple effect. Mm. Like the butterfly effect term, I think is like, it's definitely real in that like every decision you make that's like could be sinful is it definitely has a long-term effect, even if it's not right now. So, um, I'm sure you realized that because you were kind of living through that, right? The, the consequences of what you, like your impulses or, or right, right, right. Hmm. Um, and uh, well, you know, I don't mean to generalize it, uh, the, my my bad decision making, right? But it was like, if I wanted to, like, I would want to buy like nice like clothes, or I wanted to like buy this or buy you know, random stuff that. I would end up selling because it's just like, what am I doing? Um, but I think like Proverbs really taught me that. So like, as I'm reading through Proverbs, it's crazy because like our friends now are like, Hey, let's go to this music festival. Let's do this. Let's do that. And Hannah and I are like, no, no, no. You know? And they're like, Oh, so like they would do this thing where they're trying to like talk it up and give us like FOMO. But man, we were just like, no, we can't. Like, if we don't do this now, we're, we're just gonna end up homeless or something, you know? Um, and then as like, we finally started hitting our groove, the pandemic hit. So this is like insane because we're like dedicating our lives to God. We're making right decisions. It's been hard. And, but like, it was the one time where our marriage started getting better because like, not only are we working together to progress in our future, like we had to get creative in how we spent our time, mm. right? Like even to the point of like going out to like 7-Eleven to buy an ice cream, like we made that a date, mm. you know what I mean? Like, like we were intentional with every dollar, every cent. And when the pandemic hit, it was more of a re- like a reassurance. And I mean, we still talk about it like randomly now, but we believe like God was like, okay, you're going to choose me. Obviously, you know, we're not saying the pandemic happened uh, on our timing, but more like we had chosen to be wise on God's timing, right? God's timing, which we believe. And it just happened to work out for us. Right. Yeah, because with the pandemic, your friends aren't going to music festivals or things like that anymore. So they can't like try to like get you guys to come out, things like that. Right? Yeah. Um, so then what, so like what, what we chose not to do and figured out how to get through it voluntarily, mm-hmm. it, for us, it was like, oh, like we're ready for this. Mm-hmm. But it was crazy to see because a lot of people around us, they felt like it was taken from them. And that I see as like a real blessing. Um, but I guess like because we had chosen to like not like 
work on ourselves before it only kind of accelerated that process for us or that at least the pandemic did because like any room for temptation was now gone mm. there's nothing that can tempt us we have to separate and so like what we did in that time was like i just started like reading a lot mm. and it was then i realized that like anything is possible um i, I say that lightly like I don't, i'm not saying i'm gonna go playing the nba if i like work hard enough um but like if if you really put in time into anything you want it's it'll work out yeah. so i started kind of feeling that and reassured by god in that sense so yeah that means a lot coming from a coo i mean like the fact that you are in the place that you are in your career um i think really is a, a testament to what you're just saying right like put your mind to it and it'll yeah it'll happen yeah i yeah i mean i i do believe that uh that that god was just like look like here's what you're blessed with and looking back on it like even in high school i was never like the funniest kid i was never the maybe i was the loudest and the most <laughs> temperamental but like i wouldn't say i had one thing i was really good at other than like kind of bringing people together mm. And a lot of the things I thought were kind of that made me not special are the things that I believe make me special now. Oh, wow. Right? Like, I think like leadership is you have to be very unselfish, even though most people think you have to be selfish to get there. Hmm. That's yeah, that's that's very interesting because people think that um, in order to get ahead, you have to put yourself first and you have to be cutthroat, right? Uh, but what you're saying is that's not necessarily the case in terms of leadership. Or getting to a place of leadership is a, a self-giving thing, right? Yes. Do like, you, oh, go ahead. Um, so do you feel like that um, in your position now that um, being able to be selfless serves you better than, than like, if you were to be selfish? Like, I, I don't like, I will never say anyone works for me. Mm. I say I work with people. Mm. And um, I would never say, or I'd nor would I want like my team or my team members mm -hmm. to say like, oh, I work for Brian. Like, I, I want to say, I want them to think and feel and believe we work together. Wow. Um, and... It's a lot of those things where, like, I think if you kind of look at just proverbs and wisdom, it's like they're all intertwined. Mm -hmm. Like, right? So if you want to be selfish and you don't want to cut corners and, and kind of get ahead, what do you have to do? You have to be patient. Mm -hmm. And you have to delegate. And you have to... And if anyone reads, like, self-help books or business books when it comes to career and they talk about high-leverage activities... Like leverage means power, but but where you get the power from is setting up systems to support your your people. Oh. That's high leverage activity, mm. right? Like they're like, oh, you want to do something to where they they have to respect you, but it's like no, like you're training them, putting them in a position to succeed. That is high leverage. Wow. Oh wow, man. So when do you think people when they see the term high leverage they just mean you're like dangling something that people want like in front of them yeah mm. for sure like i think even now right like if i was not being authentic even though it's in a through a um a webcam mm -hmm. anyone any of your viewers would would notice it like this mm. like oh what like he's not you know what i mean yeah. like so imagine if like people you're working with every day i mean they would definitely sense it like ulterior motives right right and that's when i really realized and i wouldn't have known this without what our family went through is that like you don't nothing is that important like if and if you need your ego put on a pedestal like is that really accomplishing any mission hmm. and it's almost like foolish yeah like, you know, if there's people 
that have ego so big where they would they would much rather say oh i helped my company get a million dollars versus someone who's just like humble and is part of a hundred million dollar thing but like there's some people that would choose the former than the latter which to me is baffling because it's almost like is your ego that important that you'd give up 999 million dollars you know what i mean or something like that like I guess that to me is interesting about human nature. Yeah, and I think I will say this. I think there are people who do behave like egotistically um, and sometimes it does serve them well. Um, I, I mean, I've been working for what, like 10 years now and I do see people when they're like selfish and they're like egotistical, they do see some success. But the thing, one thing I realize is always, it's always short-term success. It's It's not like lasting success. Like, they behave that way and then they get all this traction. But then like at the end, people are fed up with them. Like they know that they're not genuine. They know that they're only in it for themselves. And like the people around them don't want to support them. And then so when that hits like uh, a critical mass, like everything that they built up kind of implodes. So like um, I totally agree with what you're saying. I I think people think that that when they see that short term success, oh, this is the way I got to keep going. But then I don't think they're really thinking about the long-term effects of of behaving that way. I, a hundred percent. Yeah. And this is so you know how they say human nature is like gray. Mm-hmm. I recently believe it's black and white. Hmm. And I think it's black and white in that like, if you really, really, really want to, if you're unsure about how to handle a at least a relationship, mm-hmm. like go to the basics and really think what would like jesus do Mm. you want black and white that's black and i mean i think that's as black and white as you could get as it's how you would treat someone yeah yeah because you know like when you get in gray people tend to use more manipulative manipulative tactics to get something in a gray area yeah yeah and then there's like a lot of like self-justification even for like negative actions and things like that, right? And and believe it or not, like giving credit, like giving credit to others and not getting it for yourself, people are always afraid that like they're gonna miss out. Mm. But either the person that you give the credit to will help you later, or or really, t- I would say this: if your if your executives obviously don't know what you were able to do even if you don't have to outright say it all the time you probably don't want to be working there either anyway huh wow like unless you're a huge company don't get me wrong like i'm not saying i understand what it's like to be in a huge like bureaucracy but i really believe human nature is a lot simpler than we think Mm, yeah i I guess when you break it down to kind of the basics um like I, I guess it's easy to be in the the gray when you're looking at it at a very high level macro level, but like I think when you take it down to like maybe even like to like uh, as small as like individual interactions with other people, things like that, then yeah, I think there is a lot. It's clearer to see the black and white in that. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So you know, like just hearing your life story, um, like I get, I'm beginning to understand that some of these negative things that at the time seemed very devastating and uh, detrimental. They actually helped shape your mindset now and has equipped you to um, go through other hardships and to navigate life. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because at the time, right before our family dispersed, I would say like, that's really a lot of uncertainty. Mm. We don't even know what our next month will be like. Mm which is kind of like what my career has been like. And Hannah has been very patient and graceful. And it's not like, it's not like we have like a house right now or anything, but it's just more like we're trying to be flexible mm-hmm. to kind of go where God tells us to go. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a huge lesson. That's like the best piece of advice that all of our listeners can take. It's, it's not about what happens to you. It's about what you can learn from it and how you can leverage that in the future. Because Anybody else having gone through a lot of the things that you and like your family went through, they could have easily said, you know what, I give up. You know, that's I'm just gonna like be sad and bitter and like screw my life kind of thing, right? 
Uh, but the fact that you guys, let me like every single one of like your family members, like they all came out with a positive attitude. Um, and yeah, I, like I can like physically see the difference. Um, like financially, you you guys might not be as well off as you were before, but like I, I feel and sense so much more happiness, so much more calmness and peace. Like especially your dad. Like I think that's like I see the most change in him. Like um, just from the the before and after. Yeah, it's huge. It's it's funny because now that well. It's full circle because the dad I just described in the beginning, I see now, mm. you know, um, mm. I think my dad is very, and I would say my dad instilled, or both of our parents, I would say my dad instilled like the risk taking entrepreneurship, like go getter attitude in me and my siblings. But my mom was the perfect dichotomy in the humanity aspect aspect of it all oh uh, yeah yeah I, I can totally see that <laughs> yeah. like if we only had one or the other like they balance each other out really well yeah well uh, um we're, we're we're hitting up against an hour right now oh um, yeah so yeah i mean thank you so much for sharing your story I, I think there's so much in there that people can can take and apply to their own lives and like especially all the insight that you have as a leader of your company um i think um, even if you're not a a COO at, at your career, or, or maybe you're not even working, but um, I think those are all things that you can, like anyone can apply in just any, any position in life. Um, so thank you so much for sharing. Um, um, before we close out though, is there, is there any last thoughts or any last pieces of advice or anything like that you want to share? Um, yes, I, I will say that um, I know a lot of the cliche and virtue things and, and I'm not saying everyone will be as blessed as, as I, you know, I've been or won't have the same path, but like, you just have to have faith that things work out if you do the right thing. Mm. Even if you think it's impossible or virtually it will never happen. Like I guarantee you, you'll be wrong. Mm. Like if, if, if you do the right thing. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being here. Um, thank you so much for hanging out in this in this new setup that we have today. Um, yeah, and guys, if you have any questions or any feedback that you want to give to uh, Brian, please feel free to uh, email me at ihthdpodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at I hope they hear this or find us on YouTube. Um, if you want to see what the new setup looks like and the new video looks like, uh, you can find us there. Um, guys, thank you so much for uh, listening. And uh, yeah, we'll talk to you next time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah.